0: This is a podcast called Verified Geek. It's a podcast with guests that work or have worked in the tech industry. They share with me their journeys, thoughts, hobbies and interests. Please join me. In this week's podcast, I am talking to Danny, a talented games producer that has a lot of passion for the industry. Let's hear it. Hi, Danny. How are you?
1: Hi, Dora. I'm good. How are you? How's your holidays?
0: Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Happy New Year! I didn't Happy say that. Do you like my Christmas tree?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. a Christmas painting? Do you, do you like my red and yellow and cream background? Yeah, that's it's very
0: pretty good. Where are you right now?
1: This is uh, what my like my exact location or the area I'm living in.
0: Yeah, yeah the like north no, north of the UK. Where exactly?
1: No, so I moved uh, back into my parents' place and they live in the East midlands, so this is Corby okay. at the moment so this is it's like forty minutes from uh, Northampton, like forty minutes drive so right. yeah kind of in a slap bang in the middle of nowhere
0: right how are you how are you dealing with the whole pandemic thing? How are you finding it <laughs>
1: um yeah yeah it's all right no well it's it's been it's been weird because um like I started. Started a the pandemic, working from home for a different company in the north of England yeah. uh, and did that for like six months or however long that took, and then I quit my job and I moved back to the East Midlands back in with my family and now working from home part-time on my own stuff and part-time for uh, another company. So, yeah, it's been weird. It hasn't been ideal. But right. but, the, but the good thing, the, the kind of weird cool thing was uh, when I was still up in the north, I uh, was living by myself. I had my own place. And a lot of people thought I was like, oh, you, you're by yourself in a pandemic. That must suck. And I was like, no, it's kind of nice, actually. I
0: really <laughs> <like it." laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, had, I had the same. I, I mean, I was like that for the first couple of months. And then I was like, okay, now I need to. <laughs> uh, uh, so what is your, your current job title?
1: So currently, I'm doing part-time work for an indie video game studio. Uh, I'm a part-time two-day-a-week Uh, producer essentially so producer slash project manager slash uh, production person in general and like it's a tiny team it's like four people and I just do part-time production for these four people Uh, so I do that two days a week and then kind of the rest of the time I'm basically working on my own stuff I've been doing a mixture of uh, trying to kind of brush up on my game design work and skills and portfolio as well as UX Mm -hmm. design and a bit of writing so yeah so technically my job title is unemployed with a bit of um production in it as well no
0: no you're never unemployed when you're actually doing some work for yourself i think like you know I don't partially
1: know. self-employed i think that's <laughs> what yeah I
0: am. yeah even if you're not earning any money it's still something like you're gaining something i don't know that's what i've that's what yeah I've, that's
1: how i like to put it that's how i like to tell people
0: <laughs> so um we both worked together in our first job didn't with interaction was your first job as well right
1: Yes, I didn't know it was your first job. I thought you'd yeah, yeah. been somewhere else beforehand.
0: No, no, no. Oh,
1: first dear. job. I,
0: uh yeah. and what was your job title there?
1: So I joined as a as, as an assistant producer for for the company. So I started so it was summer 2012. I just graduated university like 2 months before and then they had kind of like this open roll interaction for originally it was they had an open role for a new marketing assistant and i applied saying hey i'm not interested in the marketing assistant job or do you have anything in production they were like why did you get in touch about not wanting the job uh, and i said but we'll keep your um cv on file anyways and i was like cool thank you and then uh, and then an assistant producer uh, job came up and applied for it i got it so i did like a one month internship and then went full-time afterwards right. uh, and that was my first role in the industry
0: yeah i so Yeah, Interaction was a gaming company basically, and uh, yeah, it was a great experience for me as well. And funny, funny that I was reading yesterday that Flash has officially died completely. (laughs) Uh, It threatened uh, it for so long. I remember that we—that's what we were doing at Interaction. We were making games in Flash. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I felt a bit weird when I read that it's like, it's, it's like done. dead. No one will ever use it ever again. Uh, it was a good experience and you, we've learned a lot. Um, oh, yeah, totally. so I remember interaction you basically had, to, because it was a startup, right? Small company, few people, great experience, especially <laughs> like the people were all amazing and we had a lot of fun. But you did, you did a few jobs there, right? You were doing a bit of testing as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It was kind of a weird experience, and I think a very weird one to, to to start in. I think it probably would have been fine for someone who was a bit more seasoned or had or already had experience at kind of other companies doing part of it. But I had zero experience, and producers at Interaction were one producers, so project management, looking after, like kind of monitoring the teams and kind of doing task tracking and checking deliverables, tracking deliverables, that kind of stuff. But you are also basically a designer because you were the one to put together documentation, wireframes, um, and kind of like answering questions on, hey, when the player does this, what's this meant to happen next? You were the one who was meant to answer that. Um, And then we were also basically um, uh, client managers because we were also the ones who would talk to – because for those who don't know about interaction we apart from one or two projects it was mostly making projects for clients they would come to us with a game or it would be a partnership thing where we could say hey you have a brand and we can make a game uh, would you like to partner up um and so and there'd always be a client and we'd have to manage the client so it was you know keeping them happy if they had questions making sure that they knew what uh, was going on and if and then you know some were easier than others and some would some would have major demands they like, no change that thing or we really want this or this is a new thing that's part of our brand so you need to add it into the game and managing that and then managing the developers trying not to get massively annoyed at you for 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 letting them know about all the changes so so yeah yeah it it was very weird it it gave it was probably good in a way because it gave me a lot of exposure to loads of different areas of yeah development uh, in a very short time uh, but yeah, it was a lot of, you're essentially doing like three kinds of jobs at once.
0: Yeah. And um, so it wasn't, you know, I, I remember that we were complaining a lot, but progr- that's what programmers do. You know, they will never <laughs> stop complaining. It's it's part of the job, How I think. Uh, but looking back at it now, I was like, I had so much time to code. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with the clients I didn't talk to the clients like I didn't have to send direct messages to clients and stuff like that. It was kind of like a waterfall kind of style where you guys would produce a big document and we would just like go through the document and have question uh, ask you questions uh, if if we needed to.
1: Yeah.
0: How like but for for me and I think a lot of my colleagues in in the industry going into Agile was a was was a big difference uh it it keeps the clients a lot happier but for us it's like oh, i don't really have that much time to code anymore i'm like going into meetings which is a great thing don't get me wrong our yeah. problem back then was that we 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 didn't we were not involved in the meetings that, that <laughs> much so sometimes you guys would have to make de- decisions and they were the wrong decisions because we were not in the meetings that was our problem then our problem now is that we're way too involved in the business industry uh, in the business side and we don't have time to code how 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 did you find it the whole experience of going into like scrums and um writing user stories and all this stuff how how did you find it
1: so is that Specifically at interaction or kind of uh, no
0: no no like your areas. whole journey because obviously most of the companies are using like agile and safe now yeah. and stuff uh, I wow.
1: mean yeah uh, so I mean with with so with Inter- interaction because the weird thing about my 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 career as it's been so far is that I kind of didn't really do proper agile or scrum until my most recent job right. because. Because again with again, I'm just gonna use interaction as a jumping off point because that's what it was. It you know, there wasn't really a formal bit of education. It was mostly you're on the job and then whilst you're working the job, everyone tells you how things are running. So right. I kind of started and it's like cool. So we've got these three games and we have these twenty-five developers and we have these clients. So and you need to talk to the clients about this, you need to talk to the developers about this, and the game needs to run. A certain way, or have these certain features by this date, so that we can get paid, essentially. Um, and I mean, I kind of feel the same. Like looking back at interaction, it's one of those classic things where, if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I knew now, or had an idea of how to do proper agile Scrum, I would have been so much more organized back at interaction. Like it would have been so much more of a breeze. I would have been like, "Yeah, this, you do that, you do that." I'll write up these twenty Jira tickets, uh, and then I'll go call the client. It would have been way simpler. Um, but yeah, I mean, being being kind of thrown into the deep end, I wasn't comfortable writing user stories. I didn't know what was the um, kind of correct structure for a user story. I was like, what am I meant? What's, how is it meant to yeah. look? Yeah, it um, seems so
0: simple at first, right? And then you go into <laughs> yeah. it and you're like, oh, what do I do now? What do I write? Yeah.
1: Well, I, or, you know, I, I think I like wrote up a whole bunch of them. And then I think, you know, uh, yourself, the other coders would start looking at them. And because we had a small office, like it'd be kind of like people shouting, "Danny, what does this mean?" Or like, "What, what do you mean by this?" I was like, "Oh, sorry, I thought it was clear." So yeah, it's not until other people start reading it where you're like, "Oh, okay, I was meant to like write it in a, in a more clear way." Um, so yeah, so in, in terms of the user story stuff, I, I was never a fan of it. I got more used to it the more different jobs I took on and the more work I did. As for agile and as for agile itself, I think it's, like I said. Uh, the majority of the industry uses i think that's just as a reaction just because of the nature of what of the work we have to do whether you have a client or not so yeah because if you if you're working with clients you know very few of them will say yeah it's cool i'll wait a year before i see what you guys are up to like normally they you know exactly normally do sprints it's two weeks and the the ideal is after two weeks you have something visual to show or something to show them and they can say yes or no um and even in my jobs where we where I didn't have an external client, even just internally presenting it to, you know, our game directors or senior producers or whoever, there's still that thing where agile really is the, the only option. Um in terms of how in terms of the admin side of things, like yourself having to spend more and more time in, in meetings, I think the expectation on my side, in my pre in my most recent jobs, was that the producer is meant to be the person taking on that kind of weight? Like they'll go to a developer and say, What do you need? Or what are the tasks you need writing up? And then they and then the producer would do it, hopefully leaving you know, developers time to to be developing. Um, so I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if in your workplace you have dedicated producers to do that, or it's more of a case of you're having to run it yourself. But it does vary quite no, no. a
0: bit. It depends on the project really. Like we, we work with different clients and we basically do what the client wants. But uh yeah, I, I find it a big difference from what I used to do before. Uh, I, I think in my head I had a lot more time to code, whereas now I'm not re- obviously we're not writing the user stories, no, but we're actually we're we're helping we're helping the business analysts to 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 write them. Uh, so yeah, I'm a I'm a programmer, but the the way that every the the way that every job sees those new changes is 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 very different. But I, like you said, I think the clients are the happiest ones when it comes to agile because they have like you know they they see something every one or two sometimes one week. Uh, <laughs> some 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 companies do it daily, which is crazy. They do like daily. <laughs> no, Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. That. That's. That's good to know. So. What. What exactly did you study to. uh, To. Go and work in tech. Uh.
1: So my goal was to work. Uh. Not necessarily specifically in tech, but uh. In in games in game development. So I wanted to. As I kind of hinted at, was I wanted to, to to go into game design. So I set up. I studied at Brunel University and. This you have to remember. This is back in two thousand nine, a million years ago, and they had, uh, and there were very few universities that that offered full on game design courses. Like it was either programming, art, animation. Very few had a dedicated game design uh, one, and Brunel was one of the few that had one. But at the same time, they didn't offer it as a kind of whole degree, just game design. It had to be mixed with another. Um, it's, it's part of the School of Art, so you had to take on another arts topic together with game design. So I did game design and film and TV studies Uh, and other people did games and creative writing or games and Sonic studies or games and um, some other arts course. So, so yeah, so Bruno university, 2009 to 2012, game design and film and TV studies. And yeah, and it didn't prepare me in one bit at all for (laughs) the realities of game development.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. They never do. They never do. It's a whole <laughs> different story. I didn't know how to code when I was studying computer science. I learned <laughs> how to code when I got a job, uh, <laughs> which is funny. So, uh, how was I your? Um, I, I mean, our first job were, were kind of went into administration, and we uh, it kind of ended ended abruptly. How how did you how did you feel about that in terms of like. You know, psychologically, for me, it was a big shock. Even though, like, we were kind of saw it coming in a way, yeah. uh, but when it happened, it was a big, a, a big shock. How did you? How did you feel about that?
1: Um, so officially I I was really happy when it happened because I was one of the guys who was like, I was one of the people who, you know. I, I was always stressed with the work. There was always some kind of emergency or it's like something, some kind of new deadline or whatever. And I was always like, oh, for crying out loud, what now? Um, and in the midst of of the company going into administration, I think uh, the, the, the few weeks or months before that happened, uh, we, we were kind of ramping up for a potentially new project with a new client. And I remember at the time thinking, this project looks like a nightmare because we didn't really have all the information we needed. It looked like a lot of work. It looked like a really extreme deadline. I remember talking to one of the programmers um, and we were going over the documentation and he's, and, and because we had kind of inklings of maybe the company isn't going to pull through, He, I remember him saying, you know what? At least if the company does go into administration, we don't have to do this project. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. Um, and then, yeah. And then, and then I, I remember it very clearly. It was a Friday, you know, it was Friday. It was payday. I woke up in the morning, check my account. I was like, Oh, we haven't been paid. That's weird. And I didn't think that anything is of
0: it. The big shock for me, the zero power, because I was like young, like in my late early twenties, actually, yeah, mid-20s. And I was like, Oh, you do need to put some money aside because you won't have you, you won't be able to pay rent if your company I know, it's just
1: crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like what a what a thought. But I, I yeah, I just I didn't I mean I was I, yeah i mean i was in the same boat i had no money i had no savings or anything I, you know i was working my first job in london paying extreme rent in a in a shared exactly. uh, accommodation and and, with and that no Friday... with
0: no pay with no like your monthly pay in your yeah. mid-20s you don't have yeah, least uh, that's what happened to me
1: yeah. no I, I i had no backup i i'd done no saving i was like oh, i have a job it's fine it's it, this will just this, this will be fine Whatever, and I remember walking into the office on that day, haven't been paid to Friday. I walk in, and just the look on everyone's face, I was like, Okay, this is probably serious. Um, yeah. and I was like, Did you guys not get paid as well? And then a few developers were like, No, <laughs> and they were like, So I guess we're getting paid a bit late. They're like, No, if it hasn't been paid now, we're not getting paid. I was like, Oh, okay, I see, <laughs> I see what's happened. And I was, and honestly, again, because I kind of thought I was like, at at the very least i didn't it's not like i felt bad for people who had like mortgages and people who had families and stuff i'm renting That's a true. you know one room in a in a house full of other people i don't have any dependents i was like worst case scenario i can ask for a bit of help from my family just to get me out of the immediate danger or whatever so really i was fine um and i was just relieved i was like oh thank god we don't have to do that project we don't have to talk to these clients anymore i don't have to worry about all these reports all that kind of stuff. That was just me in the short term. Obviously long term I was like, okay, this kind of sucks. Um mm. but yeah, so I think um, and also because I'd kind of been thinking about wanting to quit for a while, you know, I wasn't yeah, you know, yeah, like I said, yeah. I was always stressed. I was like, I want to try and find something that's more games related and hopefully less stressful or whatever. So I was looking to to move company anyways. And if anything, having a company go into administration, I was like, this kind of the kick I need to look for something else.
0: Right. That's good. So, and then um, going from London uh, to Madrid, how did you? <laughs> how did you decide to do that? And w- was your job title the same? Uh, were you doing the same job in Madrid, or and was it different?
1: It was. Um, so the way it came about was, I'd quit my job, or, or the job before that, in late uh, in like spring 2015 because again I'd, I'd done production work and i was burnt out and fed up with clients and all that kind of stuff and i was like you know what i'm done i'm, I'm taking a break so i took i took a year out and ended up doing kind of freelance work i'm I, it's kind of similar to what i'm doing now where it's like part-time production work and then trying to work on design stuff as well so that's what i did for like a year but i would given myself a year's deadline of like if i'm not going to make it if i'm not going to make anything like a year or get anywhere significantly with design in a year i'll I'll apply for another job. So it got to the end of my one-year deadline and I started looking for, for uh, game production jobs again. Um, and then I discovered Gameloft and it turned out they had, I was like, I knew that they were a mobile game developer, but I didn't realize how many office, offices they had. Like when you went to their jobs page, it's just a map of the world and they have like all the different offices like lined up there and you just click on like where, where you want to look at. Um, and so I just searched for production jobs and it had like, uh, they had three jobs. They had one in Madrid, one in Toronto, and I think the other one was in, it might have been Romania or somewhere in Eastern Europe. And so I went to all three, and I was like, because cause I saw the games that they were making, they looked cool for mobile games. It was kind of like, instead of like a match three game or something like that, it was like kind of console games being put onto mobile. Like, that looks wicked. Um, and so I applied to all three roles that they had, and the one in Madrid is the one that uh, got in touch, and I went through a very long process for that it was like five interviews or something for what was an associate producer role so it's kind of similar to in terms of level of of what i applied for when i first went to interaction um, but this one uh, ended up kind of scaling up quite quickly because yes yeah, so i applied for an associate producer role i got the job after you know six rounds of interviews moved to madrid started working and i was working underneath a producer but then I think like a month into me working, or a month and a half into me working, he quits and he just left. And um, right. and there, and in Spain, uh, or at least at Game Gameloft, the uh, the notice period of two weeks, and he had like two weeks vacation left over. So he's like, okay, I'm I've given him my notice, I'm going tomorrow, bye, kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, cool, all right. Um, and I asked the studio head, I was like, so he's leaving. Who's going to replace him? Like, who am I going to be supporting next? And they're like, no one. You're taking on on the the project now and i was like right um and so, it was a very stressful project
0: were they, were they spanish did you have to speak spanish or
1: no so so gameloft itself is um is uh, is an international studio uh, they're, they're headquartered in paris um and the requirement was like we're an international studio you have to talk between the different studios so everyone has to speak english um so the the madrid office was located in central madrid um and it had like 60 oh no no sorry like maybe like a hundred uh employees working at the Madrid office um and it was it was international like there, like there was a vast mix of people um but the majority were Spanish and the funny thing was on my first day is, is uh, the office was uh, to, uh across two floors and on the sixth floor they gave me the tour and they showed me everyone who's international this guy's from the UK this guy's from Finland this guy's from canada what's wow. up i'm like oh that's really cool that's like really international it's wicked and they're like okay let's go downstairs now to where you're going to be working and so i go downstairs to the fifth floor and it's just all spanish it's just, just loads of spanish uh people and just everyone's talking spanish i was like right okay did i was like i don't speak spanish though. So i i did learn spanish i learned enough spanish to be able to tell strangers that i'm not good at speaking spanish so i could go up to a stranger <laughs> in in madrid and the moment they start talking to me, I can say in, in decent Spanish, like, oh, no, it's like, I don't speak good Spanish. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I'm English kind of thing. And then they'll either say, oh, OK, never mind. No worries. Or they, they try to be very helpful. And they're like, no, 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 your Spanish is amazing. Like, like you're saying it really well. And I was like, no, 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 this is all I can say. I can't say anything else. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that was fun. Um, but, yeah, so that's how I ended up in Madrid. Uh, just applied to that job and uh, to Gameloft. And And the thing is, I didn't actually stay at that job for too long because because the project I got put on was, it was a mess. It was like a proper, um, it it didn't have an external client, but with Paris as a HQ, they're kind of our client. Like they're the ones we have to constantly show builds to and give updates to. And they're the ones making like decisions about like, oh, we're going to change this. Oh, we're not happy with that anymore. Change everything kind of thing. Um, So I was only at that job for like five, six months or something. Um, And then at some point I was like, I'm really fed up with this. I really can't carry on. Um, and so I reached out to an old boss of ours and I said, hey, I might be coming back to London and, like a lot sooner than I thought. So if you have any work, please let me know. And he said, you're in Madrid? I was like, yes. And he says, cool. We have an operation in Madrid and I would like you to be part of that if you want to actually come okay. on and work for us. Yeah. So, so that's how it happened. So I, I was planning to be done with Madrid after like six months, um, but he offered up this production role at this uh, kind of – uh, it's basically a mobile creative agency and said, you know, like it's like, yeah, you can take this on. You don't have to interview the job's yours if you want to. I was like, all right. Um, and yeah. And so I ended up staying in Madrid for like another 18 months after that, just because uh, that job was a lot, it, it had its own stresses, but it was way more manageable than what I was doing at GameLoft.
0: Right. And what was your job title in the, in the second job?
1: <laughs> so <laughs> the funny thing with that title is that the title I basically got told you can select your title. You're basically gonna be the only production person. So you're gonna be like the head of production essentially. And I was like, so should I just call myself the head of production? They're like, all right, sure. I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it it worked out. Right. Uh
0: and then from Madrid, did you come back to London or did you go to Sweden? Was it Sweden? Uh, I went
1: to I went to Norway, close. It's almost Sweden.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, uh, yeah, I went straight to I went straight to Norway uh, because I finished up my job in Madrid, and I was like, I've been in Madrid almost two years. I was kind of like, I, I I couldn't. There there were other game studios in Spain, but it wasn't really anything that I was super interested in. And the things that I w- was interested in, I they didn't have jobs or so I didn't meet the requirements for the jobs. And so I started looking more around Europe, and I had this. Like, my, my mind was made up. I was like, I didn't want to go back to the UK. I enjoyed living, like, in another country. I was enjoying the experience of, you know, experiencing another culture, language, people, all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, let me try and see if there's anywhere else in Europe that I can maybe apply to. And I found uh, a company in Oslo called the, Fu- uh, the Future Group. And it looked super interesting because it was like, um, we are a games company that work in uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. We make a mobile game this mobile game is paired together with a TV show that we also produce, And we have this amazing office, you know, in the, in the heart of the city. Um, And, and yeah, and, and they had a a production job going and I was like, that looks amazing. And, uh, and it it felt like the exact opposite of Madrid. And, you know, it was a much colder climate. It's a very different kind of culture, very different kind of um, way, like kind of like lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's going to be wicked. So that's, that, that was the move I made. So um, yeah, I went straight from Madrid to Oslo, which was interesting. Um, and it was cool, except for the fact that I had a run of bad luck or I didn't do enough research or whatever. So I joined the company in like February 2018. And I think by the end of March 2018, they basically announced they were bankrupt. <laughs>
0: yeah so, i remember yeah. that i remember you getting like brand new computers all fancy stuff and then <laughs> and then taking it back that, that
1: must well uh, yeah well it was yeah it's like end of march or, or or around april or something i mean they didn't close down the whole company company they basically the the funny thing was it was like they they worked on all these different things like i said you know vr ar a tv show a mobile game but they also had all this kind of like like behind the scenes technology with how they used augmented reality and stuff. And so what they did was they ended up closing down like gaming and content and all that stuff, but they kept the technology with like a skeleton crew of people. And they've actually done quite well just with like selling that. So they've like sold like augmented reality, like tech and content. So like loads of brands, um, like lo- quite a lot of big brands. So they managed to survive, but I'm happy for them, but it didn't quite work out for me. Was still friendly.
0: That's good. Uh, yeah. So, um, and then you basically had to leave Norway and you, you, what did you do? You came back to London looking for a job or was it Manchester? What was it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So when I quit my job in Madrid, um, I'd I'd actually done a bit of saving and the cost of living in Madrid was relatively low. So I was kind of able to take a few months just to do whatever I wanted in Madrid. I didn't really uh, rush too much. Norway's uh, different. Oslo's different in that it's very expensive and it's not cheap to live there. And I didn't have um, like kind of like a, a bank of savings because there'd been issues with payments because of the, the money troubles. So um, I knew I couldn't spend a lot of time like I did before looking for another job in Europe, trying to get the kind of job I wanted. I was like, okay, I have to leave kind of straight away and basically go back home for a bit to find something. Cause otherwise I won't have any money to survive. So I came back here to the East Midlands um, and moved back in the summer of 2018. And then I started looking for jobs, just the usual thing. And then I had a friend from Gameloft who, who messaged me and he's like, are you still looking for a production job? I said, yes. And he says, well, I'm working at Cloud Imperium Games and they have some uh, production assistant and associate producer roles going if you want me to put your name forward. So I looked up Cloud Imperium Games because I was like, I, I swear I've heard of this company before. But I couldn't figure it out. Uh, so I Googled them and I was like, oh, they make Star Citizen. Oh, yeah, I've seen all the news about Star Citizen and this giant space MMO and you know the largest Kickstarter fund of all time. All that kind of stuff. I was like, cool, all right, sure. Um, so I put my name forward for that, and it interested me because it was going, with all due respect to the place I worked at before, it was going to be the first proper games place I worked at. It wasn't going to be apps. It wasn't going to be Facebook. It was, it was not like right. a mobile game. It was like, here's a high-end AAA PC-only space action game kind of thing um so yeah so applied went through the rounds of interviews um and got it and then started in july of 2018 and it ended up being the job i was at longest which isn't saying much because it was only two years but it it was pretty long compared to all my previous places
0: oh wow that's good so what was sorry what was your job title again when you so
1: it was uh it was associate producer um um Clan appearance is a bit funny with the way... I mean, every games company does production jobs differently, but the way CIG does it is, if production assistant is the most junior, then associate producer, producer senior, and so on and so forth. So I applied for an associate producer position. And uh, the senior producer who interviewed me, she was like, we like your we like your answers. You seem to have the right temperament and the right uh, approach to, to dealing with uh, the kind of responsibilities of an associate producer. The problem is you haven't really worked on any kind of proper games of this scale in your career, so we're a bit worried about making you associate producer to start with. So they put me down as a production assistant for the first six months as a kind of um, as part of like the probation uh, period. Um, right. So yeah, so for the first six months I was a production assistant, and then once my probation was up um got promoted to associate producer um and I spent the next 18 months as that there there, there was kind of an option to start looking to move onto the producer path and like start getting more responsibilities in that area but by the time that came up I was like I know I don't want to stay in production so I don't want to go on that path so yeah
0: so what is the your your day-to-day life as a producer what exactly like let's say you start a new game what exactly? What's the process of like of, of starting a new game and putting it down on paper?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've actually worked where we started on a new game. Actually, <laughs> so I can tell you what it was like at my most recent place where at CIG we, um, because they have this open world MMO that's in alpha. What they do is that they do a, a, month, a release every three months so every quarter. And so what we had was a quarterly development cycle. So every quarter was like, you need to develop, at least with my teams, it was like, these are the features you need to develop and these are the deadlines for them. So uh, it's kind of, it almost kind of like a microcosm of game development. It's like, here's a feature or here's a request or the expectation, here's the design, uh, develop it, release it, and then post-launch support. So in terms of that, the way that the, the producer role kind of is very, day-to-day is kind of very dependent on what, what stage of development you're at so when we were like right at the start of, uh, of a feature it was mostly getting confirmation from the designers that you know they had a design in place and this is something that's been approved by all the people who need to give approval all the way up to the ceo um, and then my next job was essentially organizing meetings with all the other teams that this Feature could essentially uh, could, could could potentially impact. So if we were doing something like, you know, like uh, like melee combat, so our team was told make melee combat, and the designers came up with a design, and then we would have to be like, all right, what teams does this affect? And we're like, okay, well, we need animation for the moving parts. We need character design to make sure that the character characters move properly. We need to talk to the sound team to get sound effects. We need to talk to visual to get visual effects. All that kind of stuff for like twenty different teams um so my job was essentially getting in touch with those teams sorting out meetings with those teams confirming the stuff that they needed that they would need from us and what we would need from them and kind of confirming with their producers <laughs> does this work in terms of a timeline so it was like hey we need to do this by december so we're starting on it in september and we need the other teams to deliver their stuff by the end of november and the other teams a lot of the time they'd be like, no. We don't have time. We've got four other features that we need to support instead, and they came first. I'm like oh, okay, um, so once we've done that, then it's just the development period. So it's just two week sprints, constantly like checking in with the team every day. So you know, morning scrums. Hey, what you up to? Anything you need help on? Anything that you're blocked on? Anything that you uh, need us to communicate to other teams about? Um, standard scrum stuff so you know the, the sprint kickoff at the start a million scrums in between and then the sprint review at the end being like cool we did everything we want to do great let's move on to the next thing um and then after that kind of towards the end of the development cycle for the feature it was mostly kind of like bug support and prioritization and triaging so you know we have a, we have hard deadlines for this it's like we need to release a patch by the end of this quarter we can't really go too late with it and we've still got like 200 bugs whatever but at the same and and you can't just have the entire development team just focusing on bugs because they're still working on stuff for the next patch as well so it's like it's just a constant battle and a kind of constant um discussion of hey is this bug fixed no who can fix it this person can they fix it now no they're working on this feature okay so i'll make a call get that feature delayed by a day or two so we can fix this bug cool okay and it's just that for weeks basically Right. and then, yeah, and then it gets to the end, it releases and you have some post-launch support and then you just go into the next quarter and start again planning what's the next feature. What did, what, if there was something we didn't deliver, why not? And can we get it into, this feed, into this patch and what would be needed? Um, and yeah, so, so it's not exactly the same as, you know, coming with a game, a whole game from scratch and going through the development process of that. But I think it's very kind of reflective of that kind of, what that would be like, but just on a much smaller scale.
0: Right, right. That's good. That's pretty good. Very interesting. That's probably a massive
1: information dump (laughs) of the whole thing, but.
0: (laughs) But and you also had an interest in creating your own games, right? How how did that go?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I still do, and it's still essentially the thing I want to do. But um, working the production jobs, I had a production. I don't know how how like relatable this is for depending on people, depending on what their jobs are. With production, it was kind of like you didn't, at least for me, you couldn't like finish at 6 p.m. and then switch your brain to a different subject entirely. It was kind of like, all right, so I finish at 6 p.m. and then I'll go home, do whatever. But I'm still sort of thinking, like, oh shit, yeah, we could have done this thing, or we could have done that thing, or I need to talk to this person tomorrow about this, or oh, this deadline's next, so I, I should write up something. So even though I always had an interest in working in games and making my own games and stuff, uh, I never had the kind of like mental capacity. Energy after working nine hours a day to then be like, cool, now I'm going to work on my own game and start designing stuff and start coding stuff and start doing whatever. Um, But that said, that's why I took a break in 2015 because I was like, I want to make something. So I'm going to, so I took time out. So I did make a HTML5 mobile game um, where I did all the coding and designing for it. And then I had a friend who I went to university with. He was like, hey, or like I asked him, I was like, hey, are you working on anything? Do you you mind working together on something? He's like, yeah, totally. So he ended up doing all the art and animation for it um and we released it like after yeah, it didn't make it like it wasn't a big release it didn't make any money or anything like that but for me it was kind of like um it was almost like kind of like a proof of concept for myself like can i actually come with a game idea mm-hmm. develop it finish it and release it because uh, you know the famous saying is always like like you know it's it's really easy to start making a game it's really easy to come with a game idea and develop it and start working on a prototype but to actually get something across the finish line is super, super difficult. So um, even though it didn't like really make any money or really get like loads of attention, for me, I was like, wicked, I can come up with a game idea. I can develop it. I can work with someone else. You know, I can work with another person who's got a completely different discipline and set of skills to me and still come up with something where I'm like, I'm super happy with it. He's super happy with it. We released it. And it's, you know, on both of our portfolios now, essentially. Um, so yeah, so that that worked out. Quite well and that's kind of similar to what I'm doing again now like that it's essentially why I took some time why I've taken why I left my last job and why I'm now working part-time because so you're, you're working
0: put, part-time because you want to focus on that basically
1: yeah exactly well I mean I wasn't even planning to like get a part-time job I just happened to see this part-time role which was do you want to be you know work in production on this tiny game but it was also sort of it's also kind of style of game it's something that, that appeals to me it's like a small story focused narrative you know kind of like walking simulator game i was like perfect i would love to work on something like that um so yeah and so it was like do that two days a week and then uh, the rest of the time trying to focus on my uh, design work and trying to improve on my design uh, portfolio and my skills and my kind of like the the kind of like relevant skills needed to hopefully get uh, a design job at some point in 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 this year basically um so yeah so that's kind of it
0: very interesting, very interesting. So how are you how are you coping with the whole like working from home all the time and do you go to the gym? Do you used to go to the gym, right? Do you still go <laughs> to the gym? Do you exercise? How are you like coping mentally with, with this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I mean I think uh up until obviously re- recently with the tier fours and, and everything going a bit more sideways um i was actually able, i've been able to keep a more structured kind of routine what one of the mistakes i had when i when i did this in 2015 when i was like when i quit my job i was like oh i'm quitting my job i'm gonna make games whatever right i didn't stick to any kind of routine or timetable or anything i was just like go to sleep when i want wake up when i want do get you know work on games during the day or sleep or whatever and then maybe go to the gym at some point uh this time around i'm Cause I, cause I've now worked with people who freelance and I've known people who freelance and I've seen the importance of them keeping a rigid structure. Like, okay, you're freelance and you kind of make your, your own hours. But at the same time, it's like, it's really important that you stick to to some kind of schedule. Like, you know, make sure you wake up, make sure you actually are at your desk at like nine or 10 and you can, you have yourself a shift. Basically, you know, you say to yourself, I'm going to work nine till 12. Then I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to work one till five. And then I'm done because. If you don't do that, not only do you kind of like completely lose all structure, but at least in my experience when I've done this in the past was I couldn't ever really relax. Like I couldn't really end the day and be like, cool, I'm not doing any work anymore because I was like, well, I didn't do too much work during the day, so I should do some now. And then that impacted all the other stuff I wanted to do. Um, so the, the the pandemic and and recently and, you know, the kind of like additional lockdowns and stuff, I haven't had to worry about it too much. It has because if anything, it means I can really just focus on work. I just stay indoors focus on my work and then once i'm out of work yeah go to the gym go for a walk go for a run anything like that um so i think i'm doing okay i i have a feeling i'm probably i think i'm doing better than i probably am i'm probably actually like really i don't know psychologically scarred by this for for the next couple of years just because of the (laughs) lack of proper socializing with more people um but no i think i think i think it's been um manageable so far i mean this is me making the assumption that things will be okay ish in about 3 months time if it's not then yeah maybe i'll start to go hopefully
0: hopefully yeah yeah i but. guess so we'll see we'll see so any <laughs> uh, are you actually playing games or like when you're at home are you playing console games and stuff yeah you are right
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think most of oh, my I've got,
1: I've got i've got everything i mean you can't see the you can't see the setup but yeah
0: nice uh most of my friends are actually i have friends that are like used to play console games when they were younger and now they went back mm-hmm. to it and they're like they're <laughs> doing it properly you know like sleeping at five six o'clock in the morning waking up in three hours to work from home and all this stuff. work yeah yeah
1: no, i mean i'm uh, yeah i'm trying to the, the weird thing is i'm probably one of the few adults who's like whose objectives is to play more video games and the only reason for that is I'm trying to convince myself it's for research. I'm like, no, I, w- I want to be a designer. I need to get inspiration from all kinds of games. So, so yes, I'm playing more games, but I am also trying to actively look at games that I normally wouldn't play. Like trying to, you know, if, if you, if you want to make first-person shooters or you're interested in first-person shooters, you kind of can't just look at first-person shooters. Or you're like, maybe you should look at an RTS or a platform or an RPG and be like, oh, that would be, you know, some kind of different mechanic or whatever. And be like, oh, that would be really cool in a, in an FPS or whatever, so yeah, so I'm still playing games, uh, and I've got my Nintendo Switch Ring Fit here somewhere that's helping me stay oh, in wow. shape. Oh stuck at home. Oh, good. And well um,
0: good. so, let's say you like, if you had to give an advice to to someone like a younger person that wants to do to, to get involved into like game producing or game designing and stuff, what what what's the advice you'd give them basically?
1: So I think, so I'll, I'll split it into, into two separate ones because because they both require, very, like production and design require very different um, basically skills or, or portfolios or whatever. With design, um, and anyone who's kind of looking for advice on game design or whatever is, will hate this advice because they'll probably have heard it from everyone else, which is essentially it's really good if you make games. <laughs> if you, uh, It's very, very, it is relatively a lot easier now to make your own games relatively you know with relatively little code or you know making you know drawing everything yourself or whatever there's a million tutorials about every game engine under the sun now if i wanted to learn unity i can go onto youtube right now be like you know unity tutorial number one and have some have like seven different people explain to me all that kind of stuff so anyone who's looking to go into design even if you're not big on coding if you're not big on the technical side of things it's still very useful to try and make your own prototypes whether that's um in a game engine, if it's something you know advanced like Unity or Unreal or just going into raw C or whatever. But there is also the opportunity to just do pen and paper prototypes like writing documentation, making your own um kind of like board games are normally quite popular ways of showing off you know, you know, design skill set and a way of thinking. Um, so yeah, so for design it's just that. It's like whatever, whatever way you're most comfortable with, whether it's coding in a game engine, writing up a design doc, making a pen and paper prototype. If you just have proof of work, that's usually a very good first step compared to you know, just having a degree or yeah. something like that, or saying that you're really into games. Uh, for production, it's a bit weirder because I don't think there's... Uh, at university, you can say, oh, we've done a game design degree. I don't know if there's really a game production degree as as of yet. I, I know there's like project management courses and all that kind of stuff. But if you are someone who's into game who's interested in game production what is normally a good first step is doing is getting a certification so right. as you said like agile scrum they're normally the ones that are most widely used in uh, the games industry or software development in general you can get a scrum certification relatively easy so i did the course and it's a 2 day course it's, mm-hmm. it's not like i i forget exactly how much it is but you can do a 2 day course you get you know all the information you need and you can do do the test and then as long as you pass the test, you're Scrum certified, which immediately makes you a lot more attractive as a candidate for potential games companies. Because uh, a lot of the time, games companies will hire people who uh, in, internally um, from QA or something, but that's only because they know their internal process. If you want to come in from externally, you need to have shown some kind of you know production capability, which can be difficult when you're looking for your first job. If you haven't been able to prove it before, it's very difficult to say, yes, I can do that job. So a certification is normally the best thing. And secondly, if you can't get a certification, the other option would be something like join something like a game jam or a small games team. If you've got friends or you know people who are in you can say that and be like, hey, I don't have official certification, but here's the game that got made. I was the person who was in charge of organization and um, management, all that kind of stuff. That is also, again, kind of like proof of concept that you can do the job.
0: Right. That's good. That's very, very good advice. Perfect. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. For, we've been talking for like an hour or something. That's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, great, great advice and great journey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I have only the best experience working with you. It was – and it was like my first job. And, <laughs> that and one it, time. That it one doesn't time really – yeah, it wasn't really – that important that the 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 company closed you only keep the good the good parts you know and we we've actually learned a lot from from a from a startup because you you're you you're given so much work to do in such a short amount of time you probably hate it at that point because it's your first (laughs) job you're not earning good money uh (laughs) but long term long term you you, you're thinking about it and you're like okay that that, it it was an amazing experience even the fact that it closed down it was an amazing experience because now i know (laughs) oh i have to put some money on the side in order to survive it's all
1: (laughs) all the learning (laughs) yeah it's it's all the learning experience no no I, i completely agree um and yeah like unless you have a proper horrific experience i think normally we do tend to keep the the better memories because you you know who who wants to keep a memory of you know the really boring rubbish parts of of a job so yeah so it wasn't an ideal setup setup it wasn't an immaculate like company or anything like that but the experience is gained you know the people you meet lots of people I'm still in touch with and you know yourself yeah included, true me too it's yeah. like it's it's been it's been like eight years <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of weird to think about but um but yeah no totally totally a cool experience.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have like a great break and uh, I'll see you soon. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank
1: you for having me, Dora.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter if you search for Verified Geek. If you want to see us, we will soon be uploading it everything on YouTube. The channel name is Verified Geek. <laughs> if you liked listening to the episode, Please subscribe on Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts and please leave a review. Thank you very much.